0: Lake Effect continues now on 89.7 WUWM. I'm Joy Powers. It's time now for our monthly segment on entrepreneurship.
1: Hi, I'm Kathleen Gallagher, a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist and the executive director of the Milwaukee Institute. And this is How Did You Do That?, a show about successful entrepreneurs and how and why they succeeded.
0: I felt I had some good ideas. I started to share them. Other people weren't as excited as I was about it, and I thought, well, maybe, maybe I, I can make this happen. So I started inventing things.
1: Robert Jordan spent 20 years as a trucker, driving loads of cheese and other dairy products across the country. Over the miles, he educated himself by listening to books on tape and spent hours thinking about how to solve some of the problems he encountered on the road. One of those problems was the enormous cost and environmental damage related to idling, when truckers run their engines all night at truck stops and rest areas to warm or cool their cab while they sleep. Robert invented a way to harness power from his refrigerated trailer and store it in batteries for later use. That technology was the foundation for Idle Free, a company Robert founded in 2003 and successfully sold in 2014 to Philips and Temro Industries. Robert, welcome to How Did You Do That?
0: Well, thank you. Glad to be here.
1: You grew up on a dairy farm in Waterloo, Wisconsin, and began your career in the restaurant industry, landing a job opening restaurants for TGI Fridays when you were in your 20s.
0: Yeah, actually, um, the restaurant work comes back to me every day. I've met my wife uh, working in a restaurant. My high school restaurant job before TGI Fridays was the Pine Knoll Supper Club in Lake Mills, Wisconsin. A lot of family uh, worked there, and that's what my introduction into the restaurant business. Um, I got married. I married my wife, who we met. We met, married very young, and I was 20 years old. My wife was only 19, and uh, we were on top of the world. And uh, both worked in the restaurant business. And I decided to take a job with her brother down in Louisiana, and he worked offshore as an electrician's apprentice. And that was my first introduction into electricity. While I uh, still had restaurant background, so I worked offshore and all of a sudden the job transferred to the North Sea and I didn't want to go, so I jumped back into the restaurant business in New Orleans and uh, TGI Fridays was hiring and they hired me to run uh, a kitchen in New Orleans and very shortly to become a store manager in their training department in Dallas and then start opening restaurants for them throughout the United States, until 1987, when in California I decided, I don't like this anymore. We had two young kids, and we decided to move back to home, Wisconsin.
1: You came back to Wisconsin and began working in what you thought would be a temporary job as a trucker.
0: I worked for Ryder on the Beltline in, uh, in Madison, Wisconsin. I delivered newspapers. So Ryder also had a division where they had tractors and trailers. So they liked me as a straight truck driver, and they asked me if I'd ever driven a tractor trailer. I said, no, but there's a first time for everything. And they needed me, they needed someone to run a trailer down to Miami. And I said, I'd never backed up a trailer before. And at the time you didn't need a special CDL. All you needed was chauffeur's license. And I had one. So they said, well, there won't be any backing, take the trailer down there. So I did. So I drove, drove a tractor trailer down to uh, Miami and came back without a trailer. And ever since then I was, driving a tractor and trailer.
1: I need to ask, how many years did this temporary trucking job last?
0: <laughs> 20. 20. It started off as a uh, temporary trucking job and ended as a trucker of the year in 2006 for me.
1: Before we get to that, let's explore this. You didn't go to college, but you used your time on the road to get an education. How did you do that?
0: Yeah, I felt, um, you know, being married young, immature, thinking you're on top of the world, I, I really thought I had life by the horns. But as soon as I started having children, my wife and I realized I really needed something else in my life. And this, uh, the restaurant business wasn't it for me. Trucking certainly wasn't going to be it for me. So I decided the, I had all this time and I, in, in the truck, I mean, it's really a tremendous classroom because you have no, it, once you understand how to move the vehicle up and down the highway, it's a pretty simple job. So I started going to the library in Madison and at the time it was cassette tapes. And I started grabbing every book I could get as long as it was nonfiction on, uh, on, and educate myself. And before you know it, I'm reading, uh, a lot of books about people who have started businesses and or like what you'd call podcasts. Now, a lot of people put it in books and I started getting fascinated with that. And along with doing the classics and everything else, I I would spend probably 50 to 75 hours a week just listening to books to the point where I'd actually miss exits because I'd be into the book so deeply. Um, But that's that was my good chance for me to get to know who I was what I was all about. I didn't mind being alone. I didn't mind uh, the education part of it. I felt I had some good ideas. I started to share them. Other people weren't as excited as I was about it. And I thought, well, maybe maybe I, I can make this happen. So I started inventing things and I didn't start with idle elimination products. I actually started with bicycles. I needed a way to exercise. And I needed a bike that I could take with me. So I, I would take a standard bike and I would convert it into a bike that I could take apart and put back together so I could store it in the truck quickly. So anyway, I was fascinated with mechanical things, um, very frustrated with pulling a refrigerated trailer. By the way, along the line, I decided to buy my own truck.
1: You bought your own truck in 1993 and figured you could save money if you didn't idle the engine all night to keep the cab warm. But then how did you stay warm?
0: Yeah, well, I started knowing that I had a refrigerated trailer behind me that was always running. So it has its own fuel supply, its own diesel engine, the refrigerated trailer, its own electrical supply. So knowing that I had all those, I thought, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the energy from the alternator on the reefer and send it to the truck.
1: So just to clarify, reefer is short for refrigerated truck trailer.
0: Correct. So you basically have three different types of trailers on the road today. Those that they all, the two box trailers, a reefer trailer and a box trailer, look alike, except the refrigerated trailer is insulated and has its own refrigeration unit on the front.
1: How did you use the refrigerated trailer to warm and cool your cab?
0: So a refrigerated trailer is like your refrigerator, and the, the motor on your refrigerator comes on whenever it needs to adjust the temperature of the reefer. In the in the, of the of the load inside, so in the case of most refrigerated trailers, you're looking at a 53 foot trailer, 102 inches wide, 10 feet high. There's a tremendously sized box. It holds 45,000 pounds of food, and there's a lot of work that it has to do throughout the day. So it, its engine is running at least 50 percent of the time. So during that 50 percent of the engine runtime, I figured I would grab the energy that it was producing the electrical energy, not the mechanical refrigeration energy, and stored in the truck. And then I would use that for heat and air conditioning. So initially, um, uh, I only had 250 watts to play with. What I used for heat was I used a light-sourced heat Uh, You'll notice today that our society is turning to LEDs. And the reason why we are is because the incandescent lighting of the past created more heat than light. So I initially used light uh, as as a heat source. I would put the light under the bunk and I would move air across the light and use that to heat my bunk.
1: You began to see yourself as an inventor you'd realized you could use energy from the refrigerated trailer and you invented and patented the reefer link an electrical relay that would charge batteries from your refrigerated trailer while you were driving so you entered that and the system that drew heat from lights into a contest tell us about that
0: yeah that's and i also entered the heater i was just discussing so the, I didn't get a lot of support locally for what I was doing. In other words, I didn't get the confidence I needed to continue. I needed someone else to say, this is a good idea. So I put the reefer link and my light system in a contest in Minnesota called the Minnesota Inventors Congress. I won three gold medals on the same day for the products. And that gave me the confidence that I needed to go, you know, I'm probably an inventor, not just a truck driver. And so the New York Times found out about that, and they did, decided to do an article on this trucker, a non-educated guy, that won this uh, contest, and uh, Michael Edies a, uh, a writer for the New York Times, now retired, living in Texas, him and I became very close, and he spent 30 days calling me almost every day, asking me what I was doing, and did an, an outstanding article about what I had accomplished as a, as a truck driver.
1: When he wrote that article, you'd already launched your startup, Idle Free. You'd won the Minnesota Inventors Congress Contest, and you'd been named Trucker of the Year by Overdrive Magazine. All of that played in, right?
0: Yep, correct. And then uh, I decided uh, I had a friend named Michael. Uh, Michael, my attorney from Sun Prairie, said, look, you should really turn this into a company, not just make a few systems now and then and continue trucking. Why don't you just go ahead and start a business? So he said he would help me get funding. So that's where a bunch of investors from Wisconsin, Michael set them up and Ken Johnson from Kaganza uh, was the best pick for us. And he gave us a, a million dollars to get started or originally invested, I believe between 600,000
1: and a million dollars. In the early days of Vital Free, you were driving your truck and selling your products to other truckers on the road. Oh, for context, I should say that Ken Johnson became one of the driving forces behind Badger Fund of Funds, where he's now a partner. But back then, what happened when Ken got involved? How did that change the way you were running the company?
0: Well, it allowed me to not focus on not having to have uh, treated it as a part-time job. Uh, I could uh, lay out a plan where I could actually hire people to help me manufacture, because I was manufacturing in the back of a trailer. So I had the the means to rent the facility, hire a staff, hire a sales team, hire a CEO, because as you'll see, just doing this interview, it's hard to keep me on, on focus.
1: I know the feeling.
0: <laughs> that's the same problem I had, you know, trying to run a company where my mind was always on making things better and I could care less the sales will come, you know, that, that's why I always thought, you know, instead of having a professional business, but. Having some, having a plan, having people in positions that knew more than I did about running a business really paid off for me. It enabled me to take a couple hundred dollar business and turning it into a, a multi million dollar business uh, in a period of six years, and then make it sellable for the early investors. So,
1: once you sold the business, you sold it to Phillips and Tamro in 2014. You stayed with them. You kept doing the kind of thing you like to do, right?
0: Yeah, I really, uh, I'm 65 now. I was only 61. I thought, what am I going to do? You know, yeah, I've got the means to not do anything, but you may think you're going to change when you get money, but you don't. You still have the same, uh, you still get up at the same time every day. You still have the same thoughts every day. You still want to be productive. The most motivating thing for me was having people willing to pay money for something that I invented. It went beyond money. It showed showed you that continuously that you were on the right track. When you talked and people listened, it was very rewarding to be saying something that people wanted to learn or hear.
1: What's your best advice for a young entrepreneur?
0: I would say being honest with yourself is the most important thing that you can do. I'll give you an example. A lot of people will get up in the morning, get on the scale and they'll go, boy, I gained three pounds. I don't know how I gained three pounds. Yes, you do. You know what you ate yesterday. You just deny eating it. And that's the same thing with uh, with inventors. Does your invention really work? I mean, you know more about it than anyone else. And if you fail to be honest with yourself and just just highlight the good things and not the bad, you'll never deal with the issues. The ability to be successful is, you know, everyone hears this, but it's true. It's not how you handle success, it's how you handle failure. It's, uh, it's when people say, I don't think this is a good idea, I don't think this is a good idea. I think most people at that point say, you know something, they're right, it's not. If you really believe in it, you've got to stick it out. You've got to go to Minnesota. To figure out uh, if what you really have is good, not just oh you're right, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it makes other people uncomfortable because all your focus is on something other than uh, what normal people would do. Um, but you know, in order to see what you can do, you have to do it. When when I sold the company to answer your question, um, I had the opportunity to work at Phillips and Timro as an engineer, and I did then as a salesperson that I did. So I got the chance to do all the things that I was never good at before and train other people. It was a very good part of this was the after sale. It was fantastic. The coronavirus changed the way uh, travel was done at Phillips and temporal so I no longer work for them. Uh, in March was my last uh, my last employment with Phillips and temporal So I'm retired now.
1: It's so inspirational to hear your story of how you Uh, it's a self-improvement story, right? How you kept getting better and better and fulfilled your dreams.
0: Absolutely. And then to hear, you know, setting up a a business and having employees and having them um, see them grow is also unbelievably rewarding and a big part of uh, my life. I mean, I don't consider my life over. I mean, this is, I'm still uh, really, really getting into other things. If I am, and the other advice that I would give people is, The device that I created was mine and very passionate about it but the market's very small for something like that there's only 300,000 new trucks a year that are manufactured so if I had to do this all over again I'd go what is a small something smaller that touches more people uh, a frisbee as compared to a machine you know something that millions of people touch not thousands of people touch
1: well Robert hopefully there are entrepreneurs listening who are inspired by your story thank you so much for sharing it
0: you know, thank you for the opportunity.
1: You can read more about this story and find links to resources by visiting wuwm.com. You can also explore episodes of How Did You Do That at wuwm.com, at the iTunes store, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: How Did You Do That wraps up today's edition of the
1: show.